Hello, and welcome to the Big Fish Adventures in Tech podcast. Today, I am thrilled to introduce my guest, Gina Plattis, who is a seasoned professional with a 25-year successful career in talent development, knowledge, and learning within the financial um, services industry. With her expertise in leading high-performance teams, Gina made the bold decision to follow her passion and become a mindset and peak performance coach, helping others achieve their best lives. She is a certified teacher of Bob Proctor's renowned program, Thinking Into Results, and offers various development programs for professionals, entrepreneurs, and teens. So join me today as I dive into Gina's inspiring journey and uncover the secrets to unlocking success and fulfillment in your career. So Gina, thank you so much for joining the Big Fish Adventures in Tech podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Um, So welcome to the show. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to be here. And, you know, I've, I've listened to some of your episodes and they're fantastic. So I feel privileged to be a guest. Thank you. Yeah, so excited. So let's just dive right in. Can you just starting off, can you share your sort of professional journey and the pivotal moments moments that ultimately led you to where you are now as um, pursuing a career as a, a mindset coach? For sure. So, uh, so you're, you know, my background is in talent, learning, and knowledge management. And I had a 25-year corporate career, I'm proud to say, in the financial services sector. And I kind of grew right from, you know, the beginning, being a facilitator, designer, right up to being a senior leader across multiple teams. And, you know, through that experience, the reason why I went into that background is because I love helping, coaching, supporting, teaching others. And in the corporate space, it was incredibly fulfilling to do that for 25 years. Now, a few years ago, I started to have this sort of inner dialogue that was happening where, you know, I knew it was time to sort of pivot my life in a different direction. And so I started to lean in and really listen to my intuition. I knew what I loved to do. I knew that I was very successful in the corporate space and the teams that I led. But, you know, there was another step for me to take. I had to step into my calling. And so that's when I decided I'm going to start sort of leaning in more and studying more myself. And this isn't a new journey. I've done this my entire career. But I really started getting into information that was more uh, beyond sort of professional development. It was more around transformation. And I started this journey back in high school over 30 years ago when I started studying um, peak performance for athletes. I always wanted to know what differentiated the ordinary from the extraordinary. Mm. And I learned things uh, way back then, over 30 years ago, that carried me through my career. I learned things about visualization, about meditation, how athletes prepare for those big, high-profile events. And it stuck with me. And, and I started to use these techniques. So fast forward through my corporate career, I think that has been the backbone of what has led me through my path to success, was using some of these, this is a success system, so to speak. And several years ago, I started following Bob Proctor. And, and during following Bob Proctor uh, for years, I felt this calling that this is material that, that I'm supposed to be teaching, that I'm supposed to be sharing and inspiring and helping others to live their best life. So, you know, as I dove deeper into the Bob Proctor content for myself, I then started to test drive it with others. And I started test driving it with my husband, George. And on our evening walks, um, you know, I would just kind of give him little nuggets that I was learning. Mm -hmm. And it was, George had a phenomenal transformation. We're talking within weeks 
um, investment opportunities that had laid dormant had started to come through and things just started to magically shift into place, which shifted our financial position. Hmm. And it was through that shift that I was given the freedom to step away from my corporate career and to step into my calling to do this work full time. So that's, that's the pivotal moment. The pivotal moment came when I was testing this out with my husband and he just absorbed it like a sponge and things started to move, which was pretty phenomenal. So this is so interesting because you mentioned that it was kind of just this, this calling and so many people, and I'm saying and by so many people, myself, especially, you know, when you need to make a change, right. And you're like, eh. but for me, it's like, I won't make a change until I'm absolutely like my back is up against a wall. Like I feel like there's no other place for me to go, but it sounds like for you, your intuition and kind of that voice inside you, that's something that you really are tapped into and listen to, which I think is not common. Um, so what is it, do you think, was it something, is that something that was instilled at you at a young age, that kind of knowing, or where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I think, I think that we, we live such busy lives that we, we don't pay attention, right? We don't pay attention or we don't listen to the voice. Um, I think things were happening. I didn't listen right away. So let's just be honest. The voice was nagging at me (laughs) for a while and it was getting louder and I, I moved into a place where I just knew, I just knew that it was time to shift. And I probably had known for a few years. I probably had known. Um, but I'm also someone that when I start something, I need to finish it. So the last sort of corporate role that I had before I, I made the big, the leap, the big leap for myself, um, there was some work that we were doing that was really powerful. We were looking to make a pretty large shift within the department that I was in. And we had brought in process engineers and we were sort of redoing the department top to bottom. And it wasn't something that could be done quickly. It was a multi-year sort of transformation for the department. But this is where I took 75 people through quite a large transformation, which increased our efficiency and effectiveness by 80%. And I felt called to do that work. Even though it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't the role I had chosen, the organization had placed me there for a specific reason to, to help this team sort of rebuild and reform. I felt that I was there for a reason. And once I completed that mission, so to speak, there was nothing else holding me back because I knew to move on in my career, it'd be a lot more of the same types of roles. Um, and it was time to make the shift. So, but I, I waited. Yeah. So was it something that you were kind of like doing simultaneously, like in the background or kind of setting things in motion to, or did you just like jump ship right away and say, I'm just going to go all in and invest in. I I had dipped my toe in. I had dipped my toe in for sure. But, but no, I, I really started launching like after, after I'd stepped away and started stepping into this and, you know, entrepreneurship and owning your own business is a completely different to the corporate uh, world. So I actually had to do a lot of learning. I had to learn how to sort of, um, you know, enter this space, uh, how you sort of gain a voice and a brand in this space. Very, very different from corporate where you have the partners, you have the audience. It's already there. It's all there for you. So that, that's been interesting. Yeah. The lines are very clearly yes. in the corporate world, very clearly yeah, absolutely. drawn for you. 
And it's like, here are your lines, stay in these lines, which as someone who is a rule follower, that kind of, you know, but, but sometimes you're like, all right, I kind of want to, I want to see what it's like to color every day, every day you're coloring outside the lines in entrepreneurship and, and you're learning and you're growing. That's just, that's the path you're on. So what did you go to school for? What did you study in university? Yeah, so my background is actually in English and sociology. I had a double major at the University of Western Ontario. My daughter actually starts in Western in September. (laughs) So I've got my next generation going there as well. And I also took designations in adult learning. So again, this was my path. My path from young was to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up being a teacher in the corporate space and then leading teams, uh, you know, national teams that designed and developed um, programs for organizations. And, but I, but I missed kind of being closer to it, right? I missed uh, being in front of the class, working with folks directly. And I think that's, that's, everyone has their superpower and this is where I come to life. You know, it's so interesting because there's so many people that has like a trainer or a running coach or, and then when you think about in terms of your career, for me, just the more I've kind of dipped my toe into researching this kind of path, it's like, well, of course, why wouldn't you want someone to help guide, especially young folks too, right? Like I came out of college and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I mean, I had a major in communications and film. Clearly, I mean, I'm sure there's very many parallels you can draw to what I'm doing now with that degree, but um, certainly wasn't, you know, focused in tech or anything like that. So to have someone offer their insight and, you know, kind of shine a light on what they think your strengths are, I think would be so profoundly helpful, especially to to younger folks who are kind of lost in their early 20s and don't know, you know, where there's places in the world yet necessarily. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, about five years ago, uh, George and I, we sort of co-authored a book together. Mm -hmm. I was the pen to paper, but it was the the concepts that we had both been studying for years. And it was around this this piece around mindset and success practices and also money. And so we wrote this book called Kids Get Rich. And it was because we wanted to create the book for our kids who are now teenagers and we've been teaching them from a young age, just small practices to, to build their strength in these areas. But part of the dream for me was to teach teens. And I put that dream on hold for five years in, in my corporate career. But I'm happy to say that that is a part of my business now. So I'm going to be running sessions for teenagers where, again, it's predominantly focused on mindset because 95% of the work is the mindset. It's the attitude. It's our perspective and our approach to life. And then I'm going to shoehorn in there some, you know, money practices or money lessons, because I'm sure there's, there's some that all of us as adults wish we had learned at a younger age. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we learned through trial and error. And sometimes that was a bit painful (laughs) uh, in the journey. So, you know, the intent was to try to get in front of high school kids, college uh, level and university and to give them some of these critical pieces, which are all a part of the success system. And that's why I gravitated to the Bob Proctor content, because Bob taught this material. He's passed on now, but he taught this material for 60 years, Hmm. 60 years. Imagine doing anything for 60 years and not just doing it and doing it the same, but continuing to study and to get better at it. Um, So as you know, George and I were on our journey And I saw the Bob Proctor materials and even in the book that we wrote, it was all connected. And so that's why I knew that I was definitely on a path here. 
And, you know, I promised my kids that by the time they were, the youngest was 18, and that's Maya, and that's coming very soon, that I'd actually run a workshop, and that would be the pilot, and then I would offer it uh, going forward. Yeah, and it's you bring up such a good point because you know when you're a teen, especially in the states where the cost of education is, it's just insanely expensive. It's just become an untenable situation, and to just have someone sit you down and say, "Listen, like this is not monopoly money. (laughs) Like when you're 18, like this is what you're on the hook for." And a lot of um, folks that I know are kind of changing their, you know, especially in the tech industry, like you don't necessarily need to go the conventional path, which is what I have come to love about our industry so much. But I think a lot of kids right now don't even know what that option is. Like it doesn't have to be a four year degree in order to get the job that you want. So to have someone with your perspective sit down and have a very candid conversation would have been hugely impactful for me. I don't regret my university experience whatsoever. I I loved St. Lawrence University. I loved playing field hockey there, but there's, you know, a cost benefit, you know, analysis that I think should be discussed more when you're going through that process. Agreed. And, and today, you know, a lot of the, the younger generation, they're not staying in one profession, mm-hmm. right? They, they are bobbing and weaving and moving uh, across different industries, which I think is, is so incredibly cool. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of us would stay and we would just stay a path, stay with an organization for a number of years, but they're, they're dabbling a little bit more than, than we did. But I think it's really anchoring on what are your strengths? What do you love to do? And creating the path from there, because a lot of people fall into a profession and then they stay there and sometimes they stay there too long. Right. Mm-hmm. And I if I hadn't had that kind of, you know, for me, the the sort of change was I was commuting an hour each way to a boarding school and it just became you know, that's sometimes six, seven days a week and you're coaching and you're doing dorm duty and it just became an untenable situation. And I don't know, had I not had my friends say, listen, why don't you try out this tech thing if you don't like it? You know, I don't, I don't know if I would have had the kind of courage to change or make a change in my career because in my mind, I had gotten my master's in education. I had invested so much and to walk away from that Turns out it's one of the best decisions that I ever made. I, I of course, miss teaching and and working with kids, but I don't know if I hadn't had that kind of opportunity pretty much laid out in front of me and um, that I would have taken that leap of faith necessarily. So kind of bringing this back into the tech, you have kind of a front row seat with your husband, George, and um, how do you, from your perspective and your vision as um, a performance coach, how do you see the current state of the tech industry in terms of opportunities and, and challenges? Uh, well, I think that the opportunities are endless. Like if we, we we're, we've been in the digital age for a very long time, but if you think of our every day-to-day reliance on technology, right? It's integrated into every facet of our lives from you're like two years old mm-hmm. <laughs> upwards, you know, until retirement and beyond. So there is so much space and opportunity in tech because so many of the roles today are moving in that direction. And even with AI, like you think about how rapidly things are changing. So from an opportunity standpoint, I think they're boundless. I think that, um, you know, there's so much, I think most students should also be focused in the tech space because that's going to be an area of growth. There's no choice uh, about that. You know, that's a part of our daily life. 
But in terms of the challenges, the challenges I would say is, you know, a blessing in disguise, AI is accelerating mm. the path, right? Yeah. I would say, you know, a blessing in disguise is that te technology is so relied upon that even if technology is up 99.9% .9 of the time, that 0.01% of the time that it's down uh, mm -hmm. causes massive disruption, right? Like if you think of the, the pandemic over the last few years, it is because of the technical advancements that businesses were able to continue to not only survive, but they were able to thrive moving into a remote setting. Um, think about the school systems. They had to make a massive shift as well. So this is all reliant on what technology afforded us to be able to do and all the people that built the infrastructure to be able to make that happen. Uh, but again, blessing, blessing in disguise is, you know, when things go down that 0.001% you know, of the time, um, it's the disruption and sort of the bounce back from the disruption, the acceleration of the path with AI. And I, I think that that creates um, an elevated level of pressure mm. for our, our tech field. And, and I have to tell you that my gratitude towards that industry is enormous. I know that in some of my um, more later roles, uh, leadership roles, I learned to value that tech partnership uh, more than gold <laughs> uh, because really they were the lifeline even of learning, corporate learning at that time, corporate knowledge at that time, right? In terms of providing the frontline information they need to serve clients. So, you know, blessing in disguises, uh, you know, opportunities as well as, um, you know, difficulties, I think are part and parcel of being in the tech world. But I think it's just being able to manage uh, what is that disruption for sure. And um, just ensuring that, uh, you know, folks stay, maintain their own lifestyle balance or, you know, well-being, right? Because there's so mm. much, there's so much pressure. Yeah. And I was just going to say, first and foremost, I'm nodding my head because I too have the same, have come to have the same appreciation for folks in tech. And I'm like, you always want to make sure that they're on your, their, your side because you never know when you're you're going to need them. And it seems like, you know, they're only given a pat on the back or, you know, they're, they're only really reached out to you when something goes wrong, when something goes down. Right. right? And it's like, right. we need to, I think, do a better job of celebrating their successes. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how we, you know, do that more often, but I think it's something that um, should strongly be looked at rather than just only noticing when things, you know, when the network goes down or um, so to that end, you mentioned, you know, protecting their personal lives. What are some strategies that you recommend personally from your to be able to do that? Because it's, it's hard. It's really hard because you are you are always connected. There are days where I just am like, I would just love to get a flip phone and not have my email on my phone. Or if I go on vacation, I'm like, I think I can probably only go to like Europe or someplace where I just don't have access to my phone. Yeah, it, it, it's tough because you feel that you can't unplug for sure. And, and, you know, I would say, I think that the solution here is twofold. I think that uh, corporations, organizations, it's, it's around what they can do for employees. And then it's also what employees can do for themselves. Mm -hmm. So from an organizational standpoint, um, I know other organizations have done this, but introducing programs, uh, support programs uh, to their audience, right, to their employees around mindfulness, around well-being, 
And, you know, a specific example is, and this is more in the customer service kind of area, but there was a group that um, was affiliate that I had worked with. And what that area did, um, because they were escalated customer support, so they were dealing with a lot of escalations and issues and problems. And so, you know, folks were taking that home with them. Employees were taking that home Mm. with them. And so what they did is they introduced a mindfulness program. And that started as a pilot that ended up moving into other areas throughout the organization. And I remember joining some of those mindfulness moments, midday sort of calls, and it was just allowing you to step aside for 10 to 15 minutes, get centered, get grounded. So things like mindfulness or, you know, having um, memberships, affiliates, uh, which is, again, supporting well-being, uh, exercise programs, things like this are incentives that organizations can offer to employees as benefits, and it it can help them with that balance. Um, From an organizational standpoint, I know a a few of the teams that I had, we introduced, it's not always feasible in the tech world, but we introduced a um, meaningless afternoon. So we kind of took an analysis around, you know, what, what is the one day of the week that has the least amount of meetings already? And internally across our unit, we would say no meetings. And that would give at least some space and downtime. Sometimes, you know, clients come in and and it ends up being a meeting set in that spot. But I heard from my leadership team and some other areas that this was really powerful and really helpful because they look forward to that, you know, half day where they had space. And it was space just to get on top of things or it was space to develop and learn. Mm. And, you know, especially in the tech industry, you got to keep up, right? Because so much is always changing. So so those are some of the things from an organizational standpoint. I think it's creating these um, employee-centric programs that are going to give dividends back to their people and also help retain talent. Because there are there is such a high demand for the tech skills and specialization that you want to hang on to your great people and how you hang on to your great people is by investing in them and their well-being. So, you know, those are some suggestions I would give from an organizational standpoint. Some may be feasible, some may not, but good ideas to kind of ponder and think about, uh, you know, what your organization might be able to offer. And then on the individual side, I think it's it's making well-being and wellness a priority and and we often don't do that we we you know we put the job first we put the family first we put everything first but if we are coming from a place where we ourselves are depleted then we're not giving the best of ourselves mm-hmm. so you know i know for me um it was investing in a powerful morning and evening routine you know the middle of the day can go sideways <laughs> yeah but the, the greatest control we have in our day is usually how we start it and how we end it, right? And if you can create a routine where, you know, so you don't get up first thing and, and check your email, right? Mm-hmm. You, unless there's something urgent, like I get that, right? But as your daily practice, what if you got up and you took a few moments just for yourself? You know, you had that sip of coffee, you didn't look at your phone, um, you did some exercise, you did some reflection. Imagine how that shifts your day. And I can tell you it does, because I do it now. Yeah. You know, I, st- I study in the morning, I exercise every morning, and I think intentionally about my day before I even open up my technology. And, you know, that's my morning routine. And I do a similar evening routine as well. And it's because I learned sometimes throughout the day, it's hard to find those pockets, right? It's hard to find those pockets. But what I would say, Seeker, is even when, um, you know, I wrote the book, 
years ago, I wrote those on my lunch, right? So in my corporate, in the corporate world, in my senior leadership role, when I took a 20 minute lunch, I wrote two to three pages. So I think it's an, it's intention. And I think it's a decision. And individually, you have to make a decision that your well being matters, and then find tiny pockets of time to reinvest because we are habitual creatures, right? How often do we stop and say, hmm, how did I start my day today? Or how am I finishing my day? So if you want to redesign kind of your day and your experience, that's where I recommend you start. Yeah, I'd say for me, that was one of the biggest transformations. Um, you know, I get up at 4.30 and I'd say, I say that I go to bed at 8.30. So I am, I, it's, I am not fun after 6 p.m. <laughs> so some, there has to be give and take, right? There has to be some sort of sacrifice or not sacrifice if it's, to your point, as the day progresses, you get caught up in things. And for me, that's the only time there's not going to be, you know, tiny tots up and uh, asking me for something. It's when I meet the the group that I run with. Um, and I have this whole world that exists even before anyone else is awake. And it's been the most transformative, best thing. It's gotten me through some of the toughest times of my career and personal life, just waking up and, and having that accountability and meeting folks um, was the best thing that I ever did. You know, and especially now, I'd say, you know, you go on LinkedIn every day and there's people that haven't had jobs for a year. They've been looking for jobs for a year and the tech industry especially has been turned upside down and it's extremely disconcerting. So for those folks that are, you know, have been, have been looking for six months, three months, whatever, what would you say to them? You know, they're starting to lose hope. Um, one person can only take so much rejection, right? It's, it just, it really weighs heavily on you. So what would be your messaging to them? You know, it's, it's a tough one. It is for sure. But I think that at the end of the day, we have to lift ourselves up. So this is where, you know, confidence takes a hit mm. during that type of uh, a phase of life. And I think it's, it's realizing that it's simple, but this too shall pass. There's lots of things that you can do to sort of lift up your confidence when it's starting to wane. Uh, there's mirror work. Um, it's finding things that bring you joy when you're in a time of transition or a time of struggle, right? That is the time to redesign your life right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's taking a different perspective saying, okay, it's taking me a little longer than I'd, I'd expected. And, and I know finances is what usually will send people sideways, especially from a mindset perspective. But it's trying to look at that situation from a different perspective and say, what can I build on in me right now? How can I reinvest this time in studying, in gaining more skills, in networking? Um, you know, who do I know, who knows, who knows that I can stay connected to? Um, and what are things that I can do that naturally lift me up? Yeah. Right. So, you know, if, if you like to exercise, do more of that. Like you have to do things to try to balance um, your perspective and your mindset when you're going through a transition. And the thing is, we all go through transitions. No one, no one gets out of this without having turbulence. Mm -hmm. And there's always seasons in life. Right. And if you can find a way to convince yourself, because that's what mindset is about, by the way. You're convincing yourself, convincing yourself of your worth, convincing yourself to go after your dream, convincing yourself that, you know, th the world needs your gifts. So you have to continue to convince yourselves even when you're in the toughest moment and nobody can do that for you. Mm. So it's not a, it's not an easy, 
uh, answer. But what I would say is you can't give up on yourself. Yeah. Right. Just know that, you know, it's a season. The season will change. It's the rhythm of life or as they call it, it's the law of rhythm. Yeah. Right. Tide comes in, tide goes out. The seasons change day to night. So if you try to take that perspective that this is a tough season of life and there's going to be a turning point and then it's going to be easier. You've, you've got to lift yourself up and push yourself forward and get a coach. Yeah. Right. This is also like, if it's, if it's taking you a bit of time and you feel that you need direction, if you feel that you would like an accountability partner or someone there in your corner, that is the time lean in, invest in yourself and get a coach, take a program and, you know, let that natural process of development help bring you forward. Just having the perspective of somebody who's not you, yes. somebody, somebody telling you what your strengths are. And, That's right. and I could, you know, guess and say what I think my strengths are, but really, you know, I'm my own worst enemy. Nobody's going to be harder on me than me. So I think having that third party validation, and I think to your point, it's so easy to forget your mental health and really get down on yourself and neglect that piece. But if you don't have that component in check, when you, you know, if, and when you, you know, when you get back into the workforce, you're not going to be good to anyone, especially yourself. Um, And so it's like really important to figure out to your point, what brings you joy in those moments of, of darkness. And I, I get that I'm saying this from a position of employment and, um, but I've been through some, some tough times in life and um, I can see very easily how you get away from keeping that in check. But I do think I'm a huge proponent of a coach. I like rules. I like guidelines. I like direction. Um, so I 100% am with you there, you know, um, for sure. Um, it's just, it's a great gift that you can give yourself. So in your mind, you know, what are some of the biggest obstacles or what is the biggest thing that presents prevents folks from finding their successful career path they're calling i think people know but they don't want to step into it because there's fear Mm. so if you said you know what do i think is the number one thing that that stops people it's hands down it's fear fear is is the number one obstacle and fear takes many different forms right it's fear of failure Mm. fear of success fear of not being good enough uh, fear of being judged by others, right? The list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, fear, doubt, and worry is, is has crushed more dreams than than anything else. And part of the program that I teach, there there's an entire lesson on this that you know Bob developed because what happens is that even if we start having ideas that we want to move forward, um, we end up retreating because the fear is so strong. It's a it's a physiological response in our body. We feel it. It makes us uh, feel uncomfortable. And sometimes staying in the present state is easier than sort of crashing through and seeing what lays on the other side because it's unknown. So fear for sure, I think gets in the way. I think procrastination, which also takes many different forms. You know, it's, uh, oh, I don't need to do that. Or, you know, I can't do that. It's all the stories that we tell ourselves. And so we don't really step into what we perceive is hard, but it's, it feels hard only because it's different. It's different from what we have done, but you know, fulfilling life is, is really about growth. It's continual growth and awareness and sort of reaching for that next sort of level for yourself, but you have to accept that path and you have to overcome the fear 
to even see what it's like on that other side. So I, I hope that answers your question. No, it definitely does. I think it's so helpful. So when somebody comes to you and you sense that, that that's what's holding them back, or is there a certain, what's your strategy for helping them walk through that and overcome those feelings? As I was saying, for sort of private clients, um, I do the full thinking into results. It's a six-month development program. And we don't tackle fear first. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's lots of other things that we do, you know, around the mind, understanding the mind, the mindset itself, you know, behaviors, habits. So we start tackling all of that before we hit this lesson around fear. So we're building, we're building up an individual's belief in themselves, their, their strengths. Uh, we're shifting their habits um, all first before we tackle fear, right? So it's a process. Um, I think if someone just sat me down and I, I recognize that's what it was, well, I do master classes on this. And so I, I call it out. I tell them, you know, are you feeling any of these sort of emotions so that they, they self-identify? It's really important for someone to self-identify. I can kind of lay it out for them, but they have to connect to how they're feeling and how they're experiencing uh, that moment in life. And then we talk about pushing past it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you really have to weigh the the advantages and the disadvantages and see the benefits of, of the growth. Um, everything that you want in life is on the other side of fear, right? But, but I can lead someone there. I can make it plain as day um, unless they self-identify and then make a decision to commit to move past it then they're they're going to stay in their current circumstances, yeah. right? So that's why I think the program is so brilliantly designed because it builds an individual up so that they can see the fear for what it is and know that it's a psychological process of goal achievement, right? That is actually what fear is. It's part of the goal achievement process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think of any great success that you've had in anything, right? It could be at work, it could be at home, relationships, um, you likely had to pass through this threshold of the unknown to get to the other side. And if folks understand that it's a psychological process that we go through naturally and everyone goes through it when they're trying to achieve big goals that are outside of their comfort zone, then you kind of can look at it objectively and say, okay, I understand this is a process and I'm just working through the process. Um, you know, the most successful people in the world right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, elite athletes, they feel the fear too. It's not that they don't. They have just learned how to manage themselves through it. And, and so it doesn't really go away. It never really goes away, right? We just understand that it's a process. It's so true. And I'm shaking my head because I'm thinking even just the genesis of this podcast, Lauren, who's um, our digital marketer, who is just this phenomenal human was like, you should do this. And I'm like, that sounds very scary. I think maybe I should, you know, like, and it was like, it didn't take, it took somebody else kind of giving the tap on the shoulder and being like, I think this would be something that you would, you know, really love to do. And um, that acknowledgement was hugely impactful, but also acknowledging that it was scary. Uh, and I think you also get to an age, I'm 38, you know, you get to later in your thirties and you're kind of like, all right, that sounds like something that I should do because I am fearful of it. Um and it's just, I've learned as I've gotten older and throughout my career that 
uh, what's the worst? I asked myself, what's the worst thing that could happen? And ultimately, you know, kind of my life motto is nobody thinks about you as much as you think about you. So 100%. if you mess up or say, yeah, if you say like that, I mean, honestly, universal truth, like really like, so all that internalizing that you do in your head about a mistake that you made or people are over it. People are over it much sooner than you are. And, and if I could add, you know, most of what we fear never comes true. It never comes true. There's, there's a lot of research out there that that points to this truth. And if if we believe that as as a truth, then really having all those fears, it's just um, it's a misuse of the imagination. I think mm. someone famous has said that, and I, I always love that saying, right? Because if it's not going to come true, don't invest your mental power in it. So you know, a process to get through it is is of course you got to think of you know what is the goal, what are you working on, what is the best and the worst case scenario, right? So that you prepare yourself if it doesn't work out and then fall into fall in love with what if it works out better than I, I thought it would. Mm-hmm. What, if, what am I going to learn? What am I going to experience? So I was thinking about what you just said about these podcasts. You went through that entire process that I'm speaking of. Right. And then on the other side is. It's this right yeah. now you're doing it. it you're, you're mastering it. You're bringing on different guests. Right. Yeah, I'm having great conversations with amazing people um, and and selfishly, I'm collecting just so many great tidbits of wisdom along the way that are helping me with my own career path. So um, yeah, and you you have to, but I have to say like that wouldn't be something, a process that I would have gone through so willingly in my younger years, you know? So I think it's to your point, it's a journey and it's definitely something that you really have to focus on and hone those skills. Um, and so if you're somebody that's really struggling with that, I think, yeah, reaching out to a coach and having somebody to help you through that process would be hugely impactful for your career. And that said, what do you, in your mind, what's the most fulfilling aspect about what you do? Helping people to see and believe in themselves Hmm. because we all get to points in our life where we feel, we may feel stuck or we may feel discouraged um, and being there at that moment and sitting alongside and reminding them of their gifts, of their strengths and giving them the courage, just that little push to, you know, you can do this. You can move yourself forward and then seeing them on the other side, mm. right? It's, it's the transformation and the transformation isn't a big ta-da, right? It starts with the little decisions, the little habits, the little actions that add up over time. So what I love is I love being a spark to help inspire them, right? To be able to give them meaningful information. I teach a success system, right? It's a system. And seeing them apply it, acknowledge it, and know that it works, right? Not only that it works, that it works for them, and then it continues to build and grow. And then and then people shift it and make it a part of their life path, yeah. right? Because this system, you learn it once, you rinse and repeat and you use it again for your next school and the next school doesn't mean you have all the learning you're applying it to a new situation but you have experience of going through it before so that's what i love the most about this i love inspiring people giving them some tools and a system watching them test and learn and apply to themselves and it's the wins right shifting making those shifts in their own lives 
Yeah. And I think this conversation is so timely um, because I see there's a lot of folks out there that are really struggling and could really find a lot of value from your your expertise and your wisdom and a lot of folks that are kind of losing hope. So hopefully they'll, you know, listen to this and and take away some of the advice that you've given and, um, you know, get, get their confidence back because it's, it's hard. It's definitely hard. So where can, um, listeners find out more information about you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I would say that's kind of primary. They could find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as well as Instagram. And I also have a website, um, www.genoplitis.com. So if you go on any of those spaces, I'll pop up and I'd love to have a chat with anyone who is, is ready to have this type of conversation or do this type of work. It's very fulfilling for me. And, you know, I think I need, I think folks, if they're ready, I'm in their corner. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Again, selfishly, I'm like literally like taking away so much information that I can definitely apply to my own, you know, life. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. And um, I look forward to staying in touch with you. I think the work that you're doing is incredible and so very needed, especially for folks that are in the tech industry. It's been it's been a rough go for a lot of people. Thank you for having me. This has been a real privilege and I've enjoyed every moment of our conversation. 